Podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly. I'm with Rosanna Leo. Hi, Rosanna. Hi, Abigail. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. I listen. I've been I've been eyeballing your books for months. Like I like I think literally I, I probably because I've been following you on Twitter for a long time. So it was like I think I must have seen when you first started like like dropping little hints that you were working on like a ghost like paranormal romance situation. I was like hello ma'am hello hello that's that's exactly my steez thank you very much um and i was so excited when you when you got in contact with me on twitter because i have been obviously dying to read this um and i did just gobble it up with a little itty bitty spoon you know one of those little like baby spoons with the rubbery end you know yeah yeah little bites little bites lots of tiny little bites um yeah (laughs) yes yeah. People talk about inhaling a book. No, you got to eat it with a little baby spoon. <laughs> um, so you have a book coming out. As of the release of this podcast episode, this electronic media that people are listening to right now in their ears, um, your book is out and it's called Dark Passion. Yes, it's coming this Tuesday. Yes. So so depending on, on when this airs, uh, March 21st is the release date uh, with Totally Bound Publishing. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. called Dark Passion. It's the first book in a three book series called Dark Paranormal Investigations. And uh, that's dark with an E at the end because the mm-hmm. protagonists, the group of sisters are the dark sisters. Um, so in case anybody is furiously googling and going where is it <laughs> there is an e at the end of dark mm-hmm. uh, i will have links obviously in the in the description so you don't have to even trip about that listeners but yes i also had that pro- so i was looking up today because i wanted to confirm obviously the release date and stuff and um i went to type it in to to kindle right and it was like it was like do you mean darker passion i was like no i don't no i don't mean that yeah yeah, no kidding. I have this problem as well. Whenever I go to verify some information or I need to pull mm-hmm. it up online for some reason, I'm like, no, I know what I wrote. <laughs> Please, I know the spelling's weird. So I, uh, I, I also did something like that in that I am um, one of my characters in, one, in my books is his name is Alric. And I, I he's named after the historical Alric, the goth, right? However, I decided, I was like, I don't like that there are two A's in that name. I think it's silly because um, we don't pronounce the second one, really. So I got rid of it. Um, And I have so many regrets. (laughs) I have so many. Not only does everybody misspell it, also endless red squiggles. And then on top of that, I also misspell it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you totally. I know. Yeah, I should have just left the E off probably. But, I, you know, I don't even remember how that name originated for me in terms of writing this. It's been in the back of my head for a long mm-hmm. time. And if I remember correctly, I think I saw that name just out in the wild somewhere. Yeah, probably. I work at a public library as well. And a lot of my name ideas have come from people that I've met throughout the library system, you know, checking out yeah. books, checking out books. And you kind of go, oh, there's an interesting name. <laughs> 
as a bookseller, let me tell you, I do the exact same thing. People order books, right? And so we have to put them into like our database and or like they send up for our newsletter. And we put them in there and first and last name, phone number, email, whatever they want to give us so we can contact them when their book comes in. And I do just keep little scraps of paper in my back pocket for whatever I encounter an interesting name. And I'm like, yes, I'm just going to lift that and I'm going to lift that one. And then I'm going to mix them together and make a whole new person. And you'll never know that I stole those. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, you got to take these moments of inspiration where you get them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you got to hope that if God help you, if they ever happen to read the book, that they'll be flattered. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I always try to mix it up a little bit. If somebody came, you know, to me and Mm -hmm. uh, their name was Joe Smith and I kind of went, yeah, you need a character named after you. It probably wouldn't be Joe Smith specific. No, no. I never do first and last. You got to kind of mix them up and, and kind of you got to put them in the cocktail shaker and then see what comes out. Exactly. You, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so you don't want to do like outright identity, identity theft, right? Like just a little bit. Yeah. Just a flavor. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> yeah, just a little sprinkling of identity theft. Um Rosanna, I am, I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to talk ghosts with you. Not, not only am I excited to talk ghosts with you, I was, I think the thing that tickled me even more than the ghosts in your books, which I love ghosts. Longtime listeners of the podcast will, will know that I, I wrote a whole series of ghost books that are just sitting <laughs> in my desk at the moment. Um, and uh, I, so I, I love ghosts. I love the history of, of, ghost stories and you know why we tell them and what they mean for us culturally and all this stuff right um but also you had so much bodacious history (laughs) in your book like i it was oozing like i could tell this this like this wasn't Susanna's book right this wasn't her book her book i i know for a fact is going to be insanely laden with history but it but i could feel it kind of like pressing against the seams you know kind of trying to ooze out yeah yeah no and and i'm so glad that that you appreciated that aspect of it because um oh my gosh the the history behind dark passion has just been rolling around in my head for so long and it, and mm. it is something i did a, a ton of research on um and i think i've been sort of low-key preparing this book for many more years than it actually took to write it. Um, And it all started uh, when my husband and I started visiting the town of Niagara on the lake in Ontario. Uh, We're we're both Canadians and I live in Ontario about an hour away from where this book takes place. So it's a real town. It's a beautiful little tourist town that's about half an hour away from Niagara Falls. Um, It's known as a winery town and it's known as a theater town because the Shaw Festival takes place there. Um, And it brings in tourists from all over the world. It's a beautiful, beautiful, Mm -hmm. quaint place. But it has this underbelly because it was uh, the site of quite a few different battles from the War of 1812. And, you know, this was a war that certainly for Canadians shaped the way we look at ourselves. Um, And um, when you drive through the town now or walk through the main street, it, like you said, it oozes. It's everywhere. It's in the the shape of the the shops because there are some old storefronts. There's little homes and B&Bs that all have the dated plaques. There are little neighborhood cemeteries that are, you know, on the same block as a bunch of houses. It's just an amazing, amazing place. And you cannot be there without experiencing this overwhelming sense of history. I, I just love it. 
Well, you know, it was so interesting, too, for me, because not only did I feel that, and I, I mean, literally the first chapter opens up with with this you you can't miss it right um but not only that but it, fr- you know from an american perspective we don't talk about the war of 1812 we don't care at all right that's not in the history it's like a it's a footnote like yeah one time we had some kerfluffle with uh with with canada <laughs> it was a little wild and then we did some other crazier stuff let's talk about that right um so you know i it took me it took me a minute to, to i was like yeah I, that sounds really familiar and then i kept you know, because I'm honestly, I'm so used to reading books set in America. And then once I realized, I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. This is so cool because <laughs> we don't get that perspective. I've never I've never had a romance novel or any novel I've read from this perspective. So I just so dang cool. I'm thrilled. I, I, and I appreciate you saying that because um, I mean, yeah, it's it's obviously something that I've noticed too. Being Canadian is that we don't yeah. books set where where I'm from, and um, you know what's nice is that there there is a, a wonderful new crop of Canadian romance writers who are writing nowadays and and who have mm-hmm. been for a while um, who are setting their books here. So it, it's just a different perspective, and you know, and going back to the War of eighteen twelve. Um, unfortunately, at the time, we were very much em- enemies, um, mm-hmm. but it was this weird little, you know, kind of uh, the town of Niagara-on-the-Lake, which was known as Newark at the time, yeah. was this just like hot pot of, you know, tension that could have exploded at any minute because literally right across the river, you have the American fort and yeah. our fort is just across the way from it. So you can see, we can see each other, like on a clear day, you could wave <laughs> and, yeah. you know, see tourists on the other side. So these these soldiers were that close from each other. And there are so many stories of, of the two sides, you know, trying to basically advance on the other. And, uh, and yeah, the backdrop for the ghost story in Dark Passion is the Battle of Queenston Heights, which was a major battle for Canadians. Um, because, uh, again, it solidified our, our growing sense of nationhood at the time. And, um, it, you know, there were so many things that happened. But, it, yeah, it's just it's amazing how, you know, all these people were so close to each other at the time. And, you know, I, I don't even know how we all survived to, no, to get. I, well, that's the thing. That's that's exactly what the sense I got where I was like, holy shit, what if we were still enemies? Like, how bad would that be we share a huge border and you know i me and you know the past what like five generations or so something like that right have grown up we love canada canada's great we have a fun little we have a fun little ribbon sort of sibling like relationship you know we love our canadian neighbors um we like to take the piss out of each other and it's great um but, uh, you know, I, this this idea of sort of existential dread that would be sharing such a huge, unprotected border with somebody who is openly hostile, who you were actively at war with, and to be able to look across the water or whatever, right, and see them and say, at any day, they could cross over and burn my house down, Um just you you accomplish that sense of dread so succinctly in the first chapter i was like i was like oh oh no oh no things are gonna go so bad 
<laughs> just get beyond the first chapter. I promise it'll get better. Yeah. But yeah, yes. it's that whole uh, incident. So for, for readers who are listening in the first chapter and, and the way I'm going to introduce each one of these books is to sort of have a prologue that um, introduces you to the ghosts. Um, mm-hmm. So they get a chance to speak in their own words. Um, yes. So in the beginning of each of these books, um, I'm going to have an introduction to the ghosts and in Dark Passion, that will take us back to the night before the Battle of Queenston Heights, which is the uh, event that kind of sets off the ghost story in this book. And um, all of that was actually sort of semi-based on an event that did happen in real life in Niagara-on-the-Lake. There was a Canadian general or an English general by the name of General Isaac Brock, and he was one of the heroes uh, on the Canadian side or the English side. Um, And he, they say, was secretly engaged to a lady by the name of Lady Sophia Shaw, who lived at uh, one of the B&Bs in Niagara and the Lake. Well, it's now a B&B. It was a home at yeah, the time. Yeah. And they say that before this fateful battle that he actually uh, rode his horse over to her house to say goodbye, um, not knowing it would be for the last time. They yeah. had their embrace and he rode off to battle and he unfortunately died in that battle. He was cut mm-hmm. down. Um, and Lady Sophia Shaw mourned him the rest of her life. And they say that she now haunts this B&B, which I visited, and it's a beautiful place. But yeah, that was the story that sort of um, started off my ghost story, but I kind of changed the details around and, and made yeah. ghost characters a, a, a fictional aid to this general. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it was such a tense area and a tense time and... Um, uh, yeah, I couldn't even begin to scratch the surface of all the, the the little events and pieces of history that are attached to that conflict. It's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, it's so when we tell ghost stories, right, we tell them usually to make sense of times and these incidents in history that feel insensible. Right. They, they don't grief and fear and trauma they don't make sense so a lot of times you know if you look at the history of ghost stories you look at like the studies of the broader narrative around us particularly on the north american continent why we tell ghost stories as much as we love to tell ghost stories um is most of the time it's due to some sort of collective guilt or some sort of you know societal trauma um, you know, like, why do we tell ghost stories about people who died in asylums? Well, it's not just because, you know, they're scary. It's because societally, it was a pretty horrible thing to do. And we have to reckon with that. And that's something that echoes down through generations. We That's how we pass down lessons. It's our monkey brains trying to really drive things home. Um, and in the same way, right, like you have these conflicts that kind of echo out and they inspire endless amounts of stories. And it's hard, you know, to, to look at that and not see some sort of reasoning behind that, right? Like, why do we tell those stories? Well, maybe it's to make sure we don't forget, right, that these terrible things happened. Um, and it's such a, it's like it's such a poignant little, little like spot to to choose to tell a love story, choose to tell multiple love stories, which you do in in the book, right? You do have this framing device of the ghosts and their love story, and like how it didn't end well right um 
and also you have the 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 love story between Edwina and Simon who are you know kind of step into that history um and I really I, I wonder what inspired you so you went you go to this place all the time you go to Niagara on the lake you 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 go there and you're like this place is gorgeous this history is really interesting what made you go okay now I'm going to tell a love story here I think it would definitely be, um, you know, somewhere in my travels um, and in going there over and over again, I began to hear a, a little bit about this, this, this place where General Brock visited his, his mm-hmm. lady love, you know, and um, I remember reading up about it. And it's funny because not all the historians subscribe to that uh, idea that yeah. he was secretly engaged. If you talk to, you know, apparently the family who lived in that house for many, many years, although I haven't had the opportunity, there are books that document conversations and such. And um, they all say, listen, this is something right from Lady Sophia's mouth. And she said they were engaged and we believe her and there's no reason to lie. He's dead, (laughs) you know. Yeah. It's not like she's getting anything out of this. And apparently the reason they kept it a secret was because although General Brock was this very charismatic and handsome and well-respected general, um, he had no money. And even came from a moneyed family, he had a brother back in England who lost all of his money. So Brock was constantly sending his money back home. And it was felt that they just couldn't afford a a wedding that was appropriate and they were going to wait a little while. And of course, that ended up being their downfall. Um, But yeah, there I I remember, you know, reading up about it and, and seeing how a lot of, unfortunately, you know, some Men historians were poo-pooing the idea, well, Brock never wrote about it. He never documented anything. It can't be true. It's just people talking. And and yet you have this other side that say, you know, why? Why lie? Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of get Yeah, but also like why? You know, but but you know, and also, I don't know, there's this idea that like everyone is going to be equally open with like everybody about their private lives, which is just not true with this with this man who was a general in an army in the middle of a war who grew up in like probably a pretty tight-lipped english society would he go on and on in his letters about how he was uh planning to marry this woman but he couldn't yet because he couldn't afford it would he feel good about that do you think he would do that exactly exactly and she was from a family that had a a little bit of money or at least you know these were you know reasonably well-off people and uh you know she was Mm -hmm. You know, he he couldn't half-ass it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you couldn't do it in that situation. And I imagine he was also pretty busy. (laughs) He's like, listen, baby, I love you and I want to do right by you and we're going to do that. But you need to, like, hold on just, like, a little bit. There's this war happening. (laughs) There's this thing going on. You might have heard about it. I know. But, you know, I think that story just struck me as very poignant And, you know, the more I read about it, the more I I really kind of sympathized with these two, because not only did they not get there happily ever after, um, you know, there was this group of historians that were basically erasing that that possibility of that, um, you know, that engagement. And so I I found that a little sad, as, as many things from ghost stories are. And I sincerely hope that Lady Sophia and General Brock have found their way to each other now. And I believe in my heart that they probably have. And that they're kicking back and having a good time. Yeah. I mean, I God, I hope so, man. I hope so. Oh, something. Gotta have something. World's cruel enough. Um, 
but I, you know, I, I wonder, so that was the inspiration, right, for for the story of Anne and, and her her love who tragically does not make it. Um, and this then results in pretty quickly thereafter Anne herself um, dying due to exposure after the town has been just torched. Um, and uh, I, but I wonder, what was your inspiration for the relationship between Edwina and Simon and how they fit into this because that is such a that is such a love story you have just from the jump right um so archetypal to go man goes off to war dies and then she dies essentially of heartbreak more or less right um uh but then you have you know Edwina and Simon who have a totally different dynamic <laughs> very much modern lovers yes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right from from the get go as soon as you're on to Edwina's first chapter i i wanted to land the reader definitively in the present and and i hope i accomplished that um as as far as the inspiration behind their particular romance I think it was the sisters that came to me first. So at the core of the series, we have these three sisters. Edwina is the first heroine. Susanna, um, and I should say Edwina and Susanna and Adelaide, they run this paranormal investigation unit, aside Mm -hmm. from their other day jobs. And what makes them kind of special is they all have talents that they bring to this group. So Edwina is the tech expert. Um, She loves her gadgets. She's all excited about that sort of thing. Susanna's the historian and Adelaide, the youngest sister, is a psychic medium. So she's the one who sees the dead people. And it was this core group of sisters that really inspired me, first of all. Um, I just love writing about siblings. I've done it with my other books as well. And Mm -hmm. it's so much fun to explore that dynamic. Um, And then I think, you know, in coming up with the way Edwina is, um, I really wanted to sort of give her somebody who was not her opposite and in ways Simon is not, you know, they're both skeptics. They kind of agree that way. Um, but, you know, I, I just thought you've got this ballsy woman who's take charge. Um, you know, she's a tech expert. She's not afraid of anything. And I wanted to give her a hero who I guess, you know, maybe is a little on the softer side to compliment her. And um, he just, you know, thinks she's amazing. <laughs> I really wanted that dynamic. I loved that. I love that. I love every time Simon is just like, oh my God, she's so assertive. <laughs> oh, yes. Tell me what to do. Much fun writing him. <laughs> It was He's so into it. He's into everything about her. Like she can do no wrong. <laughs> uh, and I, I just, I love that energy. Impeccable. Can't, just fantastic. No notes. Um, <laughs> and you know what I, what I felt, right? Like it totally makes sense to me that you, you, when you say that you kind of, the nucleus of the story um, or of this universe that you've made here is that is the the sibling dynamic um, is the sisters and y- you really feel that right away uh, reading the book it very much felt like their their story is is the overarching story um, and I I loved I love that they have a they have a shared mission, but they're never preachy. Like I, like you clearly, you, you know, I was like, I was reading this and I was like, oh, she's, she's doing so much here. And one of the things I loved was that you were addressing the fact that a lot of ghost or paranormal investigation is quite exploitative for content on the internet in the, in the age we live in. 
and frankly has always been realistically speaking look at victorian <laughs> times right yeah right um but you know these three sisters one of them is legitimately you know psychically gifted and they have all kind of the three of them have have joined together to do this thing on a volunteer basis where they go and they try and help people um and it's it's never for any money it's not even really for um like fame or exposure they put videos out and stuff but it's mostly for like just legitimacy reasons right to show that these people can be helped and also that here's how to avoid like someone taking advantage of you hey do you think you're being haunted well here's what we found at this place here are all the reasons that you're probably not haunted don't pay any money to anybody. <laughs> Don't do that. It's a it's a form of like of of like activism almost for them, um, which which I found very interesting. And I think really that that bond that they have as siblings based around helping people, but also based around Adelaide, who they are, who Edwina and Susanna are doing everything in their power to support. Um, I think even even when she doesn't necessarily feel like she needs it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and that just there are so many layers to why that that dynamic between them is so important to the story. Um, and I it just really felt like the heart of it. Um, and I just I just enjoyed the hell out of that. Oh, and that makes me happy. I, you know, I really wanted there are so many dysfunctional relationships when you look at, you know, the book in general and, and the rest of the series in general, you'll see more of that. But I really wanted the sisters to be tight um, yeah. because, you know, we, we get a lot of, you know, dramatic stuff going on in romance and and I love it. I'm here for the drama as well. But sometimes it's also really nice to show those healthy family relationships as well. And, you know, yeah, these, yeah. these young women, these three girls, they grew up in this what they would call a weird little bubble, um, you know, with Ad- Adelaide being the medium. And she's been like that since she was a baby. She was bullied mercilessly in school. Um, and although I don't get into that, you know, fully in the first book, you know, they do reference it. And yeah. that is something that impacted Susanna and Edwina as well, because, you know, they all became known as the weird sisters. Oh my God, those dark sisters, they're such freaks. And they all lived with this because they they came to Addie's support and defense. And um, yeah, so I really, I wanted them to be tight, but I wanted them to be humans as well. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, they still have squabbles. They still have disagreements. You know, the, even the way they run the group, they, they bristle often with each other because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got two believers on the one side and you've got a skeptic on the other. And uh, by the end of the first book, she might not be quite so skeptical anymore. But <laughs> oh, I wonder why. Can't imagine. Can't imagine it. Huh? It's almost like Edwina has some stuff going on on her own. She may be happening maybe there might be things developing for her yeah and if she can just pay attention for like two seconds exactly just kind of maybe maybe don't assume that your ears are going funny maybe um no i but you're absolutely right like the the this is the core right but these three women are very different they're very very different and they all have kind of different approaches to to this thing that they do and those approaches don't always mesh right and that's kind of why her and Simon uh, Edwina and Simon click right off the bat is because like you said they're both skeptics um and he's like he does not 
as much as he has seen some stuff, a couple of hinky things, he's like, it's his business partner who's the one who wants to call the, the ghost hunters in, take care of business, to save their business because people won't stay at their, their um, B&B anymore. Um, but as, as much as he has conceded to this, this drastic measure, he doesn't want this to be true. He's like, I... sure why not they're not asking to be paid so i guess it's harmless but like there's no way that this is the thing um except for his weak moments when he's like jesus yeah we got a few of those (laughs) yeah a couple of those and then he's like no it's fine um and edwina comes in and is like oh you're skeptical like that's good that's a good thing like you should be everyone should be skeptical you should question everything and he's like oh my god can you talk Please, can you talk to me more about your EMF reader, please? <laughs> oh, I love doing that. You know, I love uh, the, the whole conf- or the uh, confidence porn. <laughs> and, you know, I just thought, you know what? I want Edwina to be the, the one with the, all the power in that arena, you know? And, and of course, he just loves it. So every time she doesn't flinch at something scary, he's just like a little bit more in love with her. Like when the um, when the picture frame drops, right? And like it scatters like uh, like uh, glass all over her. And he's just like, oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, no, I'm fine. And just like brushes it off. And he's like, oh my God, <laughs> please take me now. <laughs> Carry me up the stairs. <laughs> Sweep me off my feet, Edwina. <laughs> I know. She's, she's uh, you know, I wish I was Edwina. Put it that way. I think I'm more of a Susanna. <laughs> I'm a little softer. But I, man, I wish I could be Edwina one day. <laughs> I'm I'm full on in Adelaide. I'd run headlong into into ghost danger, one hundred percent. I'd be like, I can talk. That's fine. That's totally chill. Oh man, you're braver uh, than I am. <laughs> I just I what I what's a ghost gonna do, huh? Push me down some stairs? Yeah, try it. Try it. I know. Yeah, I get a little too nervy. I'm a, I'm a little. Uh, I'm the one who's always kind of looking over my shoulder like, what did I just hear? Never mind. <laughs> just let it go. Honestly, my so my childhood fear was not ghosts. I love the idea of ghosts. My childhood fear was aliens um, because I was traumatized by the movie Signs when I was like seven. Uh, yeah, real messed up by that. The, the scene where he like walks out from behind the hedge or like in front of the window. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I happened to live, my bedroom was like on one of those second floors where the window opened up onto the roof. Um, and so there's that part in signs, right, where like you, there you hear them walking on the roof. And so as a kid, I like would lay on my bed and stare out the window and be like, am I going to see him? They're going to come in my room first, man. This is so bad. But a ghost, on the other hand, I was totally fine with because at least they're human. <laughs> and that's I can handle that. True. And, you know, even though I try to uh, introduce some some spirits who are unfortunately uh, not necessarily, you know, nice people. <laughs> Dead misogynists, I believe is what you call them. Dead misogynists. Yes, exactly. We do have one of those in Dark Passion. But, you know, I firmly believe that if these spirits do exist with us, um, I don't believe that they're out to hurt us necessarily. I think, unfortunately, some might be confused. And that leads to a lot of confusion with us poor souls who, <laughs> who witness. I get violent when I'm confused, too. So I get it. Oh, my gosh. I know. Right? I just start swinging fists the moment I start having to ask a question. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You should have seen me in math class growing up. It was all fists all the time. Fists and elbows. I could have used you in uh, my math class. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, I, yeah, I mean, as a distraction, sure, as you cheated off the smart kid, because I wouldn't <laughs> be able to get you any answers. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about that the other day, and I was like, did I ever pass my times tables? I don't think I did. I think they just eventually gave up on me. 
I was, you know, I did well in all my classes with the exception of math and science. I was just, unfortunately, that kid who just, my brain did not work that way. Um, and I'm pretty sure that in grade 12 math, my teacher passed me out of sympathy because he knew I needed to graduate. And yeah, yeah like it was a source of endless stress, <laughs> those classes. Same, same. I, yeah, I cannot, num numbers, I can't do them at all and never have been able to. Um, and I ended up having to take, to get my math credit so I could graduate, I had to take accounting, <laughs> which honestly is a class that I think everyone should have to take because it taught me how to like balance books and stuff. Like, yeah, it was great. I learned a bunch of practical life skills. Um, it's crazy that we don't do that <laughs> in regular curriculum. Um, but yeah, no, I I get it. I get it. History, though, I have a feeling you and I were pretty similar in our in our love for history classes. Never, never got below a B in a history class. No, always up at the front, always up with the hand up, <laughs> the hand up in the air, always making a nuisance of myself. Um, it yeah. was yeah, it was definitely one of my my pet subjects for sure. <laughs> So I am curious. So you, we've talked about how where your love of this history came from, where this kind of the seed of the story came from and how you built it around the Dark Sisters. I'm curious about why you decided to go with the paranormal investigation route, um, because you could have written this book in a thousand different ways. Right. This could have been, you know, I don't know, maybe Edwina and her sisters like this isn't something they do as like an actual like codified thing she maybe stays at the B&B &B and happens to realize oh there's some ghost stuff going on I should call my sister right like there there are like a thousand different ways to do this but you really went hard on not only the paranormal investigation how it's done but also the culture behind it and I'm so curious why you chose to do that well, mostly because I really am fascinated by it. And for years mm -hmm. and years now, I've been watching all the paranormal investigation shows on TV and, and reading books about them and such. Um, I think the very, oh my, like I can't even tell you what the first ghost story that, that I, I heard of was. It, it just feels like it's been a part of my 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 being for so long. And I don't know why I gravitated that way. I think I was just a morbid little kid. Um, and then, you know, watching all these shows, on TV as well, you know, all those ghost hunter things and recognizing that some of them definitely are done for entertainment's sake, you know, mm -hmm. and some of them I think are maybe a little bit more along the lines of what the Dark Sisters are trying to do. Um, I, I just became very fascinated by the fact that, that we have all of these different iterations of paranormal investigation and I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that. Um, and like, I think it, one of the women says in the in the I think it's Edwina who says you know it's not just a bunch of jacked up dudes running around cold basements you know shouting mm -hmm. at each other and chasing orbs <laughs> so, yeah you know there are other varieties of paranormal investigators and for a lot of them you know having read interviews and such um it's it's a quieter pursuit it's can be boring at times sometimes you're literally sitting there for hours with nothing happening there are plenty of women who are doing this, but we don't see that um, as well on all the shows. It tends to be a lot of the dudes. Um, so I just wanted to show a different side to it and have some badass women, you know, fighting these really scary phenomena. Yeah. Yeah. And trying to help people. That's that's wonderful. That's a, that's a really like that's great. That's a fantastic uh, linchpin to build your series around. Right. Like I don't. For sure. You know, I mean, ultimately, uh, they would not be able to live with themselves, I think, if they could not use the tools that they've been given in order to, to help people, especially Adelaide, because, 
you oh, know, God, yeah. she sees the dead. And for her, there is no other argument. Like this is just the way that she's lived all her life. She's been seeing dead people since she was a baby in her crib. She has a spirit guide who's also this freaky side character, um, you know, and she just she just could not do it any other way. She she has to yeah. use that information for a reason or else she'd probably lose her mind. I mean, you know. Yeah. She doesn't have an off switch, right? Like she can't change her brain. So she has to do something with it. Um yeah, I mean, I I love that. I love I love that you you took on this thing that you were like, "Hey, this isn't all, you know, <laughs> beefy dudes in like GoPro harnesses screaming, <laughs> right? Like they're always screaming at each other." Oh my god. And and I really I really loved the emphasis on that not only that you as a writer had, but the but like Susanna and the other characters in the book that they had on understanding the history of the land that they are um that they're on and you even talk about like um like the indigenous people and and their their role there and how that that this whole area has a much richer and much more complex history than just some white people got into a war here at one time right um and that's something you absolutely have to take into account and that's not usually taken into account in these uh, mainstream sort of... For sure, for sure. You know, when I look at a place like Niagara on the Lake, um, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, everybody who does know a little bit about the history, they know the War of 1812 happened there because when you drive through that town, there's a monument to General Brock. Uh, There are roads named after General Brock. There are Mm -hmm. pubs that still exist from that time period that, that have military flair around them, that kind of thing. It's just, you know, a really neat place. Um, But if you dig a little deeper, um, you will see that there are plaques up um, celebrating some of the Black Canadians whose history is also on that land. Um, There, although we have, you know, a a reputation as being, you know, an element in the Underground Railroad, um, (laughs) enslavement happened here too. And as Canadians, we don't talk about that enough. Um, so yeah, you know, this is something the sisters are conscious of. They're conscious of the fact that um, it's not just our history. There is a wealth of Indigenous histories happening. And, um, you know, certainly as historians, they're, they're very aware that, you know, any one of these elements could, could come to play and, and we have to be respectful and, and, you know, understand where we came from. And you can't make assumptions that that's that's what I got is that they go out of their way to go into a situation making no assumptions about what they'll be dealing with and why. Um, and it's not just because they're you know worried about their legitimacy and they don't want to seem like they did their homework beforehand so that they'll come in and be like, oh, yes. And clearly this energy feels like it's from 1812, <laughs> you know, like like, no, uh, they, they go in as a blank slate as much as they can. Um but also they go in because they don't want to not be able to help somebody because they made an assumption. Um, and that's that's very important, it felt like, not only to the narrative, but also to to the characters themselves. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, you, they wouldn't be able to do their job if they didn't do it right. And, and they're there to investigate. So, you know, even when Adelaide sees begins to see the spirits around the B&B, you know, she's, she's trying to get a sense of, of where they may have come from, what their names are, what, what kind of clothing are they wearing from what era. Um, and, you know, they don't want to jump to conclusions and, and 
She's constantly checking in with Susanna, who's got her historical facts to kind of validate what Addie's seeing. So yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's important for them to get it right. Otherwise, why do it at all, right? Exactly. Exactly. Um, And they're, they're aggressively competent. And I love that. I just love that. I love that so much. There's no like, there's no weepy. There's no like, oh, and I'm a, you know, I'm a medium. I'm a medium. and, And therefore I feel too much. It's very much like, this is what we do. We are experienced professionals. And, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just great. That's just yeah. Great. Just things. hang in there. We're going to solve this for you. We're going to do it. Yeah. Trust us. Yeah. We're going to do our best, Simon. Calm down and go eat your croissants. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was such a fun read. It was such a fun read, Rosanna. Like, really, I'm so excited for the next ones. Um, I can't wait to see what you do. I can't wait for Addie's book. Uh, the historian in me loves, oh, I can't wait for Susanna's, obviously. I want to see what nonsense she gets up to. But that being said, Adelaide, hers is going to get weird, and I can't wait. It's, I'm planning on some weirdness. Um, I, I can tell you a, a little bit about what, what's going to be happening with both, both hers and Susanna's. Um, Susanna's definitely went in a sexier direction, and Whoa. without giving away too much, um, her love interest is actually going to be her favorite hookup. Um, she's been hooking up with this guy for about a year by the time that story starts. And they're both quite happy keeping it casual. Um, and what brings them together on another level is that he is the dean of an opera school in Toronto. And he asks her to come investigate because there's clearly supernatural phenomenon and it's affecting the students Um, and during the course of that investigation um, of course they're drawn together in a different way than they have been previously so so she's she's got a little bit more sexy business going on in in hers I love that because you don't get that vibe like at all she's a little buttoned up she plays it a little close to the to the chest right like she doesn't she doesn't give a lot away you know she's she's a geek but she's also um I think it's Edwina kind of references very briefly the fact that that Susanna kind of likes to keep people at a distance. That's how she's comfy. And she's carved out a life that she's comfortable with. And all of a sudden, Noah, her love interest is going to come in and it's going to fiddle with all her buttons. So there's going to be a lot of emotions coming up for her as well. But it's it's, uh, hopefully still going to be a fun read. Um, And Addie's Man, <laughs> I'm writing it right now. Um, I think hers, her ghost story or the ghost story in that one, it's going to take place on a much grander scale than... It would ha- I Yeah, I would assume. Because she has, mind you, we haven't even touched on the fact that she has a spirit guide who is just like her bud, Maria, who just hangs out with her all the time, has been with her like her whole life. And is just like... A silent, mostly like fourth sister. <laughs> That's she. No matter what you did, like you inherently, if you just, you know what would be even like funnier and like bigger, a bigger swing, Rosanna, is if you just address none of that at all. If she had like a perfectly normal middle of the road love story with just like Bob from accounting, you know. <laughs> you know well, she's she's definitely got a. a... A gentleman who, um, well, I won't say too much just yet, but yeah, her her ghost story in that story, it's going to be on a a much bigger scale. In in the first two books, the the stories 
for these spirits are very much centered around one particular building, and that's the place they're investigating. In Addie's story, we're going to be talking about a whole neighborhood. So there are actually going to be a variety of different elements brought in. There is a, an old cemetery that exists here in Toronto called the Necropolis. That's going to be a central part of her story and a whole bunch of stuff going on in the neighborhood around her. Is you. You tease that because in the in in the book she likes to hang out. Her safe space is going to a graveyard because that's where ghosts don't hang out. Well, that's uh, going to change a little bit for Addie. Yeah, yeah. Have you read uh, the book that came out? I think it came out last year. Um, called Over My Dead Body. It's on my list. I don't think I've read that one yet. No, not yet. It's real good. It's real good. It looks amazing. Yeah, uh, it's it's very. I I I love to read about death and and death practices and ghosts and ghost stories like obviously i assume you've read colin dickey's Ghostland. Uh, have i read that one yet as well oh my gosh i've been very behind in my reading so i may not have caught up fair enough fair enough it's been out for it's been out for like five years so it's been out for a grip um it's one of my my favorite books about the history of of ghosts and ghost stories in america um i highly recommend it it feels very in keeping with your um sense of compassion for the idea of ghosts and also why people look for ghosts and skepticism and but compassionate skepticism um he he basically lays out like all of the different ways to approach ghost stories in america all the way from understanding like why we tell them from a like a psychological standpoint but also just like the how an apartment can be set up weird <laughs> and how that can make your brain break a little um but he also goes into like but yeah it's it's okay if you believe these things and there's weird shit out there and i you know he did all these like investigations and things he really went deep on trying to figure it out um and it was just it's a it's a beautifully written book about the entire phenomenon um and it's it's just i can't recommend it enough Okay. I'm going to be looking it up as soon as we're done here. I don't know why I haven't read it yet. <laughs> it's it's gorgeously done. He now he's he's pretty much dedicated himself now to writing books about um, why people tell conspiracy theories um, and the psychology behind them now. So he wrote The Unidentified and he has a new book coming out, which I, I don't have the name off the top of my head, but he's a he's an incredibly talented writer. Um, and yeah, I deep respect deep respect and also just like i i really appreciate when people approach this subject without um demonizing or uh questioning the intelligence of those people who believe them right right yes because you know at the end of the day whether you believe or not and and i will be honest i am a believer although my experiences with the paranormal have been you know there hasn't been a lot um but a couple of things have happened to me and I, I know I was fully, you know, fully aware of my surroundings at the time. So, you know, but whether you believe or not, um, we can't disprove it at the end yeah. of the day. We can't yeah. say for sure. So, you know, I would like to believe that uh, there's a little something out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, it's better than just empty nothingness. But, uh, you know, just, just a little bit, just a little bit. It's OK. And, you know, even if it only exists as a story we tell ourselves when we're alive to make ourselves feel better, that's OK. What harm is there in that? Exactly. What's it doing? What's it doing? Until you start charging for your ghost hunting services and you're a jacked up dude in a fitted tee wearing a GoPro harness, then I have a problem. <laughs> 
I love those shoes shows too. I have to say as much as I They're good. It is really funny to see like a really jacked up dude start crying and like Oh my gosh. They're just... Bro, do you see that? Bro, bro. <laughs> and then they play like the the EMF readings and it's like and play it back and you'll hear a word and it's just like <laughs> None of it's ever understandable, ever. It's just like background noise or it's like a truck going by outside. Gosh, I know. I have this conversation with my husband all the time. Every time we watch, you know, and they they do that playback and we look at each other like, did you understand a word? I'm like, no, it sounded like feedback. I don't know, but it's all fun. As somebody who has to edit this podcast every week, I I can confirm that some of the noises I've heard like you d- I could make anything out of anything you don't it's, if I cranked up the gain high enough you would hear a ghost or my house might be haunted which is another possibility I doubt it but it could be I, I sincerely hope it's not well I it would be pretty fun for me I you know it's funny as we're at the the tail end here um I've been in some real weird houses in San Francisco like we have some houses here uh and the uh, house that where I was a nanny for several years and I was nanny for one family for three years and um, they had they, they lived in a, an old Victorian that was well over 100 years old um, survived the fire because it was like on top of a hill like way away from downtown and I swear to god that house was on <laughs> like clocks would go funny um, the door, this like massively heavy door that when you opened it, screeched against the floor, would just open and close on its own. Like, despite that, like if a human did it, you have to like lift it up so it doesn't drag, but like would just do it. Um, and also the creepy thing where like the kid starts talking in his sleep and having like a full conversation with nobody in the room in the dark. Don't like that. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time for me. It was the one moment where I was like, I, so I had one night where like, some stuff happened re haunting um and it to this day was like the closest i have ever been to any sort of paranormal activity and um i remember it happened and little guy who was he was like 11 o'clock at night he was sleeping his parents were out um and uh i remember thinking i was holding this clock that i had had to take off the wall because it was in his room and it was spinning so fast it was like loud it was going basically and i was like the batteries must be out i have i've got to take this out of his room so i like run into his room this big clock pull it off the wall I'm like i will have to take the batteries out i don't i don't know and i go up the stairs and i'm on the first landing and um the clock stops <laughs> of course yeah and i'm like huh oh well i'm like great i'll put it back i don't want to tell his parents like why why did you take the clock off i mean we've been fine but like why um and so i go to turn um to go put the clock back in his room and uh, I hear the door open and I'm like, oh, they're home early. Great. That's fantastic. So I go to go to put the clock back on his on his wall. I rush up the stairs. No one's there. Oh, man. No one's there. I literally I'm standing at the top of the stairs. And as I'm like looking at the door, because you could see the stairs from the top by the door. And I was like, I remember I was standing there and I look away from the door and then I look down and I hear the clock start going again. And I hear I hear my little guy talking in his sleep. Um, and my my first thought, which I don't think any listeners of the podcast would like at all be surprised by this. But my first thought was, I can't fight a ghost in my socks. 
I don't have shoes on. You need some Doc Martens on or something. <laughs> I can't do this in my socks. Not today. <laughs> oh, yeah. The things that, that occur to us in these moments, right? Yeah, in the moments of high stress when I'm like, am I going to have to grab my little three-year-old charge and just, like, walk outside because this place is fucking haunted? Or use it as uh, a battering ram. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? I, was, I wasn't even, like, scared so much. I was just like, this is not, I don't want to deal with this tonight. I'm in my socks. I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot. I believe it. You know, the, the one time that I, I believe that I saw something, um, I wasn't scared in the moment either. It wasn't that kind of sensation. It was just mm-hmm. more a sense of this ain't right. This ain't I'm not this isn't supposed to be doing that. This, this mm-hmm. is not supposed to be there right now. And I'm going to mm-hmm. go to another place. <laughs> yep. 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 You just kind of want to you, you get that like, oh, time to scamper. Time to just time to scamper. I'm going to get away. Yeah. All right, this has been great, Ghosties. I'm just going to electric slide out the, out of the hallway. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> and on that note, yeah. let's electric slide into the end of this podcast. Rosanna, yeah. this is your zone. This is your pitch time. This is your platform. Give it to them. Well, thank you so much. And, and thank you for having me on. And I sincerely hope everybody gets a chance to check out Dark Passion, book one of the Dark Paranormal Investigation series. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Kobo, um, you know, several other vendors, basically all the all the major joints. Um, and if you love ghosts, you'll find some compelling stories. If you love romance, you'll find some that are on the sexier side. And they all end with a happily ever after. So it won't be too scary, I promise. No, not scary. If you're worried that they're scary, they have moments of spooky. They definitely have... They definitely have moments of of straight-up spooky. Um, But no terror and only mild existential dread. Which, if you're reading a romance novel and you're not getting existential dread, then I don't know what kind of romance novel. Hey, I had existential dread at work today. I mean, that's everywhere. (laughs) That's just living in 2023. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. It Well, it was fantastic. Um, I, you uh, listeners, you know where to find my stuff. You, you're not new here, unless you are, in which case, welcome. Hello. I hope you have shoes on because you'll have to fight me later. Um, <laughs> uh, but I have a book coming out next week as of the release of this episode. Yes. Yes. I have the second book in the main series, the New Protectorate series. Um and oh boy howdy it's a it's a doozy (laughs) it's doozy folks um it's uh it's a childhood or teenage sweethearts to enemies to lovers to faded mates yes yes it's quite something um it's about a coyote shifter and an elf and um who just are just two big old stubborn idiots color me intrigued Yes, she's purple, in case you were wondering. That's my favorite color. Purple's a great color. I love to use it. I love to use it in all things, Um, which is a problem because not all printers love purple. (laughs) It's a tough color to get right. That and electric green, which is another color I like to use a lot. Um, But yeah, so if you want to, you can still pre-order that. You can pre-order the ebook. It's $4.99. It'll be delivered right to whatever device you use at midnight. and, and I will just curl up into a ball and weep and hope that people like it, um, as is my MO with whenever books come out. Because <laughs> um, what else can you do, right? Once it's out there, it's out there. It's, it's done. And you just got to hope and pray 
and make silly graphics. And that's about it. Well, it sounds fascinating and you can be sure I'm going to be checking it out. Ooh, well, if you if you do if you do read it, I hope you like it. Um, there are no ghosts. Hilariously, there's about everything else, but there's no ghosts. I saved my ghosts for my other series, um, which is funny to me. But now that I'm thinking about it, um, is there ghosts? I don't know. Maybe there might be ghosts in the future. Who's to say? <laughs> it's a crowded world enough, I think. There's there's a lot going on. Um, but yeah, so you'll catch another episode next week. But in the meantime, you should buy Dark Passion. It's very good. If you like ghosts and you like paranormal investigations, you think all of the science and stuff behind that and like why ghosts might exist or might not exist. You know, they, they disprove things as much as they prove them, which is a wonderful angle. Um, I think they, they go a little Scooby-Doo sometimes. And I, and I, and I enjoy that a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I highly recommend them. And you can get the link to that in the show notes. All right. That's it. Thank you for being on, Rosanna. It's been a joy. Thank you so much, Abigail. This has been a delight. Thank you. Of course. Alrighty. Goodbye. Bye. Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.